Proverbs 31, 10 to 17, and then 25 to 31. We rise for the reading of God's word. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark and provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. And then verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. Or sorry, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. You be seated. Glad it's Mother's Day. I can tell that God is happy with mothers because we have a beautiful sunny day out there. And I want you to know that I believe it's because he's shining it on you today for who you are and what you have done in so many lives, particularly in families. But mothers love often reaches far beyond what they had ever anticipated. I gathered my thoughts this week, reflecting on three women in my life. My mother, my mother-in-law, but most importantly, my wife. 
After 53 years, she continues to teach me what a true mother is, what a true wife is. And so I count myself blessed to be part of her life. And my thoughts come today as I thought about her and other mothers as I witness in our church. I read this story from James Dobson about a mother who was sick in bed. She had the flu. And her little daughter wanted so much to be a good nurse. So she brought mom an extra pillow and she brought her a magazine to read. And then she even showed up with a surprise cup of tea. And her mother took a sip of the tea and said, Wow, I didn't even know you knew how to do that. And the little girl said, Oh yes, I learned watching you. I put some water in the pot, then I put the tea leaves in, and I boiled the water, and then I strained it into a cup. But I couldn't find the strainer, so I used the fly swatter instead. <laughs> and oh, by the way, mother, uh, mom said, you, you what? Well, don't worry, mother, I didn't use the new one, I used the old one. <laughs> if you're a mother, you may relate to those kinds of stories in your life and in the life of you and your children, as children surprise us in so many ways but their little surprises often are the greatest blessings of our lives as moms. And for a dad, they're the greatest blessing to see how it has touched their mom. You and I both know that being a mom isn't easy. I've heard about one woman who said, before I was married, I had three theories about raising children. Now I have three children and no theories. Can anybody help me? I think mothers go through that phase in life. When they're young and they're married and they get all, oh, we're going to have babies, but then they arrive, and then it's like this great big help comes out of their breath. If you're a mother today, you know that motherhood can be messy and at times frustrating and exhausting. And there is, no, there is no foolproof manual that anybody can give you because all kids are different. It's not easy to be a mom, but it's very appropriate that we take a moment today, pause in life, to thank you. Thank, our, thank your mom, thank your wife, At the same time, I know that Mother's Days can be very difficult for some. For lots of different reasons, maybe your mother is no longer alive and you really miss her. Or maybe you don't have a very good relationship with your mother. Or maybe you've loved to, you've loved to be a mother and that just hasn't happened in your life yet. I need to assure you that God understands. And he cares deeply about you. And my prayer today is that God himself will minister to you 
in just the way you need to be ministered to. And we're glad you're here no matter how you feel about today, Mother's Day. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, today is that special day. And we know that your Holy Word teaches us things and shares things with our hearts about all aspects of our life. And today, Father, as we unfold just a few thoughts about mothers, may you by your Spirit be reaching into, your, into their lives as you live there and love them so deeply today. In Jesus' name I pray. I was fascinated by an experiment I read a number of months ago, and it was about a great violinist named Joshua Bell. And he is one of the world's most famous uh, violinists. But this one day, in an experiment for a, a college, he was dressed in jeans, long-sleeved T-shirt, and he went into the washing and wearing a Washington Capitals baseball cap. He pushed, positioned himself by a trash can in the subway of New York City. He opened his case, took out a violin, threw a few dollars in the case to give people the right idea, and he started playing. And for 45 minutes, he played pieces by Mozart and Schubert and others, while the people walked by hardly noticing him. They didn't notice that he was Joshua Bell, they also didn't notice that the violin he was playing was a rare Stradivus violin worth more than $3 million. Now you need to understand a bit about the experiment. Three days earlier, Joshua Bell had, had played in the, symphony, in the symphony in New York with ordinary, ordinary seats going from over $100 a seat. But here he played for 45 minutes and collected $32. The experiment was a purpose. It was actually arranged by a college, and they described it as an experience in context, perception, and priorities. The conclusion was, in a natural setting, beauty is unseen. They walked by. People walked right by and didn't even notice. And I found myself thinking about that this week, that isn't that just like motherhood? Because all the things that mothers do in their daily lives often are in the background, and we fail as husbands and children to recognize the beauty of it all. We fail to recognize as those folks failed to recognize Joshua Bell, they had beauty before them, and they couldn't see it. You know, I can think of three ways that I, when I reflect on my wife and my mothers, that help me understand and have helped me understand God. I take my, my, my reading this morning from this simple verse along with the Proverbs we read earlier. Oh, I have to get my old man glasses out. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. 
Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. I want to share with you three ways that I believe mothers in our lives and in our, in our, in our children's lives actually imitate what God wants them to be. You say, well, God is the Father, and so, uh, you know, we should really be thinking about men because we identify God as the Father, and that's true. And I don't belittle that, I don't lessen that from God's Word, but I sometimes think that we bypass what our moms and our wives do that actually reflect God's image more so than me. But we often miss it. We don't see it. First, mothers reflect God's unconditional love. Mothers reflect God's unconditional love. There was an elderly woman who walked into church one day, and she was greeted in the lobby by a friend, friendly usher, and the usher should said, where would you like to sit? She said, the front row. The usher said, you really don't want to do that. The pastor is really boring. The woman said, do you know who I am? He said, no, I do not. She said, I am the pastor's mother. <laughs> the usher, usher then said to her, do you know who I am? She said, no, and he said, good. I got asked at a coffee uh, time when I was in Bible college by some young students. I was a mature student, and most of the students were a good 15 or 16 years younger than myself. And during a coffee time, uh, I, one person asked me, would you find it strange to have your parents in your church? And I said, no, it would be great, because every week I would know two people will like my sermon. <laughs> Mothers are standby people and they stand by their children. There is nothing more important in their lives. I'm sorry, husbands, but once the baby comes, back seat, baby. The front seat is for our children. Moms want to place their children at the center of their lives, and that's biblical. God has called them. It's amazing to think that before each of you were children in your womb, God knew them, and he placed them there with you. That never ceases to amaze me, that God knew me and gave me to my mother before I even existed. And so mothers are special in God's eyes, and they reflect God's love. I got acquainted, reacquainted with a story of a boy named Ben. He grew up in inner city Detroit and in Boston. His parents divorced when he was eight years old. He and his brother were raised by his, his, by his mother, who was one of 24 children and had married at the age of 13. Ben was such a poor student that his fifth grade classmates nicknamed him Dummy. He got in a... 
He got in a fight over whether he was just the dumbest kid in the class or the dumbest person in the world. The words of his classmates continued to beat him down, and he became a young boy who was totally unmotivated, failing in school. He had horrible self-esteem and a terrible temper. It really looked like the deck was against him. But, for, but fortunately for Ben, there was somebody at home who was giving him a different message. It was his mother. And even though she only had a grade three education, she continued to tell her son that he was smart, that he had potential. She motivated Ben to spend his afternoons in the library. She convinced him to write a book, two, uh, two, two book reports every week, and turned them into her. Her unconditional love and encouragement started to have an effect. By grade seven, he was the top of his class. When he graduated from high school, he got a scholarship to Yale, and he went to medical school at the University of Michigan. He first, he first gained worldwide recognition in 1987 when he became the first surgeon to ever successfully separate Siamese twins. All because of a mother's unconditional love. Isn't that true of God in our lives? Isn't that true of how God sees each of us? The world may call us dummies or beat us down. Our workplaces may not look fondly upon us. At school, we may be bullied. We may be all kinds of things. Our relationships may be in a disaster state from time to time. But God is there to pick us up and encourage us and to move us forward. And when I look at my wife and our two children, and the 21 foster children that she raised, quite frankly, without my help, I stand in awe of a mother's love. I stand in awe of a mother's love. And she reflects God to me. Because I know God loves me even more than she could. So on this Mother's Day, let us not forget the beauty of motherhood because all the things that my wife did were in the background. Backstage, where nobody could see, nobody could hear. But her love has taught me how much God loves me. Secondly, Here's the second one. God's, mothers reflect God's unapologetic discipline. I think that's where my wife struggled the most. I wasn't a very good disciplinary. I, I just, hey, let them have it. But doesn't a mother's discipline start early? A baby doesn't take long before he thinks it's really fun to throw the food off the high chair. Doesn't take a baby very long to go into a temper tantrum. 
And they just don't end when you're a baby. And so I watched my wife, not only my wife, but my, my, my mother-in-law discipline. And I believe that one day, when all is said and done, that God is going to wrap his arms around my wife for being a disciplined person with our children. I overheard a conversation between my foster daughter, one of my foster daughters who has been joining us the last little while, and, and my wife. And my wife said to her, was I really mean to you when I was... Was I mean? And Aaron's face is already telling me, are you kidding me? Because discipline is a part of the Christian life. And it's best reflected, in my family, it was always best reflected by my wife. She had this ability to discipline with love. I had this strong, powerful voice saying, get to your room, I don't want to see you anymore. But she knew how to love and discipline at the same time. I remember many times when I'd watched the reaction between my mom or my wife and our kids, and I've, I've seen the reaction uh, with many of you and your children in the church when you, you're trying to uh, not get embarrassed about what they're doing, and you try to discipline them. And they look up, look up, up at you, and there's this hurt on their face. And they can't quite understand. But I'm not really doing anything that bad. But mothers operate with this belief and this empowerment from God that it's my responsibility to raise my children in a godly way. Here's the point. When mothers do what they do, they unapologetically dis discipline their children. And when they do that, they are being imitators of God. Do we not believe as believers that God the Father is constantly trying to discipline us? He's constantly trying to put us in places, or he sees us in places in our lives where he needs to gently discipline us. You've probably never been there, but I'm there quite often. When I sense God is trying to change my direction, when I sense God is trying to, to save me from myself, And sometimes when he does that, it's painful. And I think God looks down on me and he sees the hurt in my face. But he continues the pathway. 
The Bible says that we are refined by fire, just as precious silver is refined to become precious. And discipline in our lives comes from the Heavenly Father, and our mothers have learned that and passed that discipline on to their children. I'm a pastor and been a busy pastor most of my life. And many people will say, you work way too hard, too long, you're going to burn out. But I need to tell you that I love this work. I love the energy. And I say to people, well, if I'm burning the candles at both ends, pray for me that Jesus will put the wax in the middle. But my whole life was like that. And my wife was the disciplinary one in our family. And what really has, God has taught me through that process is how deeply our foster kids and our children love her. How deeply they love her. And so you need to understand when tough time comes in the families, mom, uh, kids get older, and they recognize everything that you've done. Thirdly, mothers reflect God's unselfish sacrifice. Mothers reflect God's unselfish sacrifice. How do we even begin to talk about sacrifices that make a mother? The sacrifice of sleep the sacrifice of convenience, the sacrifice of their bodies. In many ways, they sacrifice. But I think more than anything else, they sacrifice their autonomy, their independence. In case you don't know what I mean, they sacrifice their autonomy. That the moment you become a mother, you are now responsible for another's life. And you willingly sacrifice your autonomy to raise another person, to love another person. Sophia Loren, that's right, I'm going to quote Sophia Loren in a sermon. She said, when you are a mother, you are really never alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child. She's right. She's right. The moment you have a child or adopt a child, there is suddenly this other person that you have to think about and care for and sacrifice for. My wife taught me sacrifice, and I hope she's not too embarrassed me sharing, but she is my life. She is everything that I am or will ever be. And when we get to heaven together, I hope it is together somehow. But if it's separated, I know that when we both stand before Jesus and he gives us our crown of jewels, hers will be plentiful because of the sacrifices 
that she gave. With our foster children and our children, there wasn't too many days in the week that she wasn't going to the hospital or going to the police department or going to the social worker department or going here or going there or going this and carrying on a full-time job as a nurse. She sacrificed. And I know you all have done the same thing. When we have children nowadays, it's a busy life. I look at the, some of our families with four or five kids, and they're saying, there's not enough time in the day. I've got to go to this basketball game. I've got to go to this soccer game. I've got to go to this dance lesson. I've got to go. It just goes on and on and on. But you know something, young people? Children, listen to me. That's your mom sacrificing and your dad sacrificing for you. They're giving away their autonomy because they love you so much. They love you so much. But sometimes they miss it. And so young people remember, as I have remembered this week, that mothers reflect God's unselfish sacrifice. I close with this thought. God gave himself away in the person of Jesus to sacrifice for you and I. He gave his life as a sacrifice. You mothers know how deeply you love your children. You fathers know how deeply you love your families. But it is nothing in comparison to how much God loves us. I've come to this conclusion that we're all rebels in God's eyes. We can be the cranky child, we can throw a tantrum, we can rebel against what God wants us to do, but it will never quench his love. We'll never quench his love. I say to you moms, you are special. You are special. Every day should be Mother's Day. I promise next time not to buy daisies. They don't work real well. But I'm going to ask our mothers to stand today. Wherever you are, mother, grandma, just stand. Don't be afraid. I want you to stand because we honor you. We honor you. I say to you that I believe God can whisper in your heart every day, well done, good and faithful servant.
Because for many mothers, that's their service to God, is to raise their families and to love them and to care for them. So I want, while our moms are standing, I'm going to ask some of the fathers to say a word of prayer. Wherever you might be, take a moment and say a prayer for mothers. Maybe it's your mother, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's just someone you know. Let's take some time to pray and honor our mothers.